Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? Paul Hickey here with NoOffSeason.com. Welcome to the Sports Card Strategy Show. I've got my main man. You know him. Kendall, the lefty McKee in the house. What's going on, brother? What's up? Dude, look at your backdrop. Yeah, kind I'm of- sport- sporting the new background. Funky, dude. It's like like no mic and then half of a uh, half, half of a, a headset. Face. There we go. That looks a little bit better. That's funny. Yeah, just uh, put together one of those little backdrops. Make makes it look like I'm at a press conference. We'll play around with this. See this how is a, this is a press conference. Yep, yep. So uh, let's jump into the show. We've got got some audience members already chiming in. What's up, Mister Ryan Baruski? Good to see you. I am Burr. doing great. Hope you're doing well as well. And then Rusty Emma Gart. Baseball is back. I'm sure Lefty's going to be talking quite a bit about that today. Yeah. Um, but hey, before we jump into the show, I just want to talk about Graybo's cards. Graybo's cards. I had a chance to meet these guys at the Mint Collective. Um, they're a hobby shop located in Richmond, Virginia. They opened in February 2023. It's owned by Duke Dodson, Ryan Fitz who I, I met both of them at Mint Collective, and Gray Burnett. The three owners of Graybo's collected cards as kids, fell out of the hobby for a few years, and got back into the hobby in 2021, put their heads together, and decided to create the ultimate experience for sports cards collectors and investors in the Arts District of Richmond, Virginia, former home of Ben Wallace and Bones Highland for a little while. Graybo's sells wax, raw singles, and graded cards. They run breaks every Tuesday night on Instagram Live, you can check out Graybos at www.graybos.co or on IG at Graybos underscore cards. And uh, we're going to be hearing from Duke Dodson, who's a great guy. Um, he's going to come on the show uh, once a month and talk to us. So uh, welcome to Graybos Cards as uh, one of the official sponsors of the Sports Card Strategy Show and NoOffSeason.com. A couple other uh, little admin items here. Kendall. Uh, just a quick reminder, a lot of you want a hat. I'm wearing the New Era Custom 5950 Fitted Sports Card Strategy Show No NoOffSeason.com hat. If you want one and or a free year premium at NoOffSeason.com, email me at paul at NoOffSeason.com to find out how to get all of that, Lefty. So there it is, man. There it is. Um. So we're going to jump into our L of the week and uh, just a quick, quick other housekeeping note before we do that though, is that um, I was at the mint collective from Thursday through Sunday in Las Vegas, Nevada at the MGM grand. And it was a, it's an industry summit basically on Friday. And then it's a card show on Saturday for those of you who are kind of wondering. So this was the second year I was really excited to go I'm feeling more connected to the hobby than I ever have. And uh, I've got a lot to share about the Mint Collective, but because there was so much jam-packed in, what I did was, I many of you might already have seen this, I streamed quite a bit live over the weekend um, four or five times, and I'm going to do that again later this week. It's just because there's too much to talk about from the Mint Collective. Um, we can talk about some of the stuff if you guys want to, I'm happy to give you guys, give you guys some updates and my take, but check out the content 
at nooffseason.com and on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Paul Hickey. And it's all on the podcast. Some of the audio isn't as great as I would have liked it to be from the sessions, but I did live stream a lot of the sessions for you. I thought it was very interesting and I'm happy to talk about the highlights, but figured there was so much from it that I would do some stuff over the weekend and then later this week uh, and talk about that. So anyway, Lefty, tell me what's going on with you, man. How, how was your weekend? And, and maybe jump into your L of the week whenever you're ready. Man, it was pretty wild. Uh, as you know, um, I had quite a lot going on this week. Uh, just going back and forth between states and all sorts of stuff. And then uh, trying to watch as much baseball as I could uh, in between work hours. And so um, I was able to catch um, a couple of games this weekend. But more importantly, man, it was just so it was so good for me to be uh, just back in the saddle, if you will, watching meaningful baseball games um, and and uh, just doing my best to try to watch as many games as I could and keep up with these, these prospects that are, that are hitting the majors for the first time. So, yeah. So one quick note on that, and I'll give a shout out to everybody in the comments. Uh, good morning, Southern soccer idiot. Baruski talking about the Rangers starting strong. Good morning, Brian Steeler, seven, one, four. Um, good to see all of you guys. And, um, yeah, quick note on, you mentioned, um, opening day and, and uh, tops had the MLB debut patch. So I want to yeah. hit on that real quick. Um, that was one of the big news items from the mint collective. It dropped basically on Thursday as everyone was coming into town. And what they did for those of you who don't know is tops is creating what they're calling the ultimate rookie card. And for the first time ever, they created a patch for a card specifically and then they had uh, the players, 10 or 11 players that made their major league debut um, on Friday or on Thursday, rather, uh, wore the patch on their jersey. And then Tops and Fanatics took the patch off the jersey after the game, and they're going to put it into each of their rookie cards. It's going to be a rookie patch auto. And um, I talked to Clay from Tops. And basically, he said they don't know what releases they're going in. They're trying to figure out what releases they're going to go in. My guess would be that they would drop them in this year. They would drop them into different releases to just kind of test and see how, how things shake out. But we're going to be looking at more and more of this from, from Fanatics. Uh, Tops will be doing it uh, until Fanatics gets the other sports licenses. But, I mean, I'm not surprised by this. I'm super excited buy it uh would love to get would love to get your thoughts real quick on this lefty what do you think yeah i think it's a really cool idea um i think you know i was able to watch enough players this weekend that i could see the mlb debut patch underneath their uh logo patch on their left arm and it was just like dang that's a cool idea you know i mean not only does it create another desirable one-of-one -one, uh but it's also um entering into it, RPAs aren't exactly uh, a huge part of the MLB landscape yet. I mean, we've right. got a lot of Bowman stuff. You've got a lot of stuff. There are RPAs, but typically they're all coming from either uh, Leaf or Panini, which are non-licensed products. And so it's just th this is going to be kind of a new thing for Tops to do for, for baseball. And um, the one worry I have is tops has not been great about turning out product in a timely fashion 
And so are these MLB debut patches going to come out in 2024 or maybe later? You know, like it's just like because most of these guys are making they're going to do it for every apparently what I read. They're doing it for every person that's making their MLB debut. And uh, I, I just it sounds on the front end. You're like, dang, if I could get the Julio Rodriguez MLB day patch. Heck yeah, and, yeah, and this year it'd be Jordan Walker, it'd be Volpe. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if but you yeah. could get the top shelf, that's where right. I was. And, th- and you're right, like, this hasn't existed before. So does this add a new element to Topps baseball that Bowman has that Topps hasn't had for, like, the investors? Now, um, obviously, a lot of our audience are investors and collectors, but I think for the most part, we've talked mostly about Bowman on this show because they're yeah. the ones that hold value. The tops RCs don't really necessarily have much value. Um, but these could, these MLB debut patches could. Now you're right. They've got to come out at the right time. They can't be too late. They've got to be, tops has to drop them in the right way. And the cards have to look good too. I mean, I would, you know, the patches look good. They're, manufactured for the card specifically so the the patch fits the card and vice versa this is all lining up to be pretty sweet but yeah you're right they've got to execute the drop well and they've got to release it at a good time and everything can't be too late like like if jordan walker sucks i hope he doesn't but if jordan walker sucks by the time the release comes around then it's not it's not going to be as desirable whereas you know if they drop it quicker while there's still hype around it could be amazing yeah, I mean, I I honestly think these cards are going to go for crazy money, especially the first couple. Um, I don't imagine I ever really get one uh, <laughs> because you know they're all one of ones. Very hard so, to get. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, not only are they going to be hard pulls, but they're going to be hard to 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 just to find and to get. Um, but you're right about what product is it going to go in? If if it does, if they end up putting it in a tops product rather than a Bowman product, which tops does own bowman as well so I, i've seen conflicting reports there but if they put it in top series one or two or something like that um it's interesting but i'm not for it because it's a it's such a high print run product it's just like people are going to be going through like you're not for putting it in top series one is what you're saying oh i'm just not in for you're not for the debut patch clarify this I am for the debut patch. Okay. I think there's a lot of thing. I think they should auction them rather than put them in, uh, in in retail product. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, Clay from Tops, if you're listening, Lefty says, you know, he's got a strong opinion on this, so you need to hit up at Lefty McKee on Twitter, have a little discussion with him, and he'll tell you what products to put it in. I think you should listen to the Lefty. Yeah, because um, I clearly want. <laughs> it's so important. So Chad Gill uh, says, "Good morning." Tra- finally, a true one of one. Chad, good to see you. Chad's not joining us today, but um, he'll be back in a future episode. Good to see Chad in the comments. Um, and uh, Southern Soccer Idiot likes the idea. SSI, uh, I would think that you would see this in a soccer product too. I, I think if you know if this works for Tops and Fanatics in baseball which i think it will and it'll work for somebody it may not work for everybody but it'll work in general to the point where tops will keep doing it i think they're going to do it for all this fanatics is going to do this for all the sports and i think soccer is going to be in there so ssi would be interested to see what you think about uh it in a soccer product help help 
being Guy an MLS Matthew. product very quickly. MLS, yeah. Oh, Lefty McKee is going to be so hype about the MLS patch in this debut form or however Tops does it. Lefty is going to be like, it's. we're going to have to do a whole show where we just let Lefty talk about how excited he is about the MLS. The MLS. Hey, I have barely talked about <laughs> it at all this year, and my team is in first place, okay? That's true. That's true. Well, okay, hey, Lefty, before we get into L of the Week, let's talk about a couple other things from the Mint Collective that I thought were interesting, and then you can bring up anything that you want me to hit on before we get to L of the Week. Okay, so right. staying along the lines of the Tops and Fanatic stuff, um, they've got a couple other things in the big league product. So, so again, we don't know what product the MLB debut is going in. Nobody does. Tops doesn't even know yet, or so they say. So another thing that was interesting is the big league product. So the big league just came out and they redid the whole thing this year. Like I'd never even heard of it. Like it was totally irrelevant. And now there's like some buzz around it for a few reasons. One is they've got this um, follow back. So there's this, this insert. It's an SSP, I believe. And there's certain players. I don't know who all the players are, but I know Vladdy Jr. is one of them who will follow you on social media if you pull the card. So it's a redemption card and it's going to be interesting. I think it's for the kids. Like, I don't think, I don't know that anyone listening to this show cares about a player following them on social media. I mean, it would be cool, but I don't know like if it's as cool as it would be to, to a kid. Right. But I think that's pretty sweet that they're, they're making some of these products a little bit more relevant by adding some of these inserts in and fanatics is doing, I knew fanatics would do stuff like this because it's possible to get the players to do it. And what it, what it signifies to me is, so just to clarify the follow back, there's a code that player will follow you on social, on Instagram, specifically on Instagram. So that's interesting. What's, Better to me about this, the takeaway from a big picture perspective with the MLB debut patch and the follow back is that it's a sign that we all, when Fanatics acquired all these licenses 18 months ago or, or whatever, 20 months ago, there was this big buzz in the hobby about it. The significance is Fanatics, you're seeing them making their investment in the hobby right now. They're bringing, they're, they're integrating with the players, with the teams, with the players associations. And that is, I think, the biggest significance for all of us is that this is how they're going to grow it into the mainstream. Whether you like it or not, this is how it's growing into the mainstream. More and more people, there's 100,000 people in the hobby. That was data from the Mint Collective that I took away is that there's about 100,000 people in the hobby. Uh, Fanatics wants to make that a million. And, and this is how they're going to do that um, by doing things like the follow back and like the MLB debut patch, integrating it into the mainstream, making it more relevant for the hobby. One other thing in the big league product is the influencer cards. So <laughs> this took me by surprise. I thought it was like a joke at first, but card collector to Ryan Johnson and uh, sports card investor, Jeff Wilson, and I believe Aaron Nowak from Slab Stocks. And Mama Breaks. Those are the four that I know of. Um, there was no nothing that I heard about this, but you guys might already know. I don't really follow much. I post a lot, but I don't really follow much. And so um, you guys may have already, might have already known that this was happening, but apparently these people have cards in this release. And so I was next to Ryan and Jeff when they were opening their own 
uh, tops big league boxes and like, and like Jeff handed Ryan his Ryan's card. So that was pretty cool. So then Chad and some of the other audience members were texting me and emailing me saying, Hey, you need to ask him why you and lefty weren't in the big league <laughs> as influencers. So I actually asked clay from tops in one of the sessions. I said, if I want to follow in the footsteps of Jeff Wilson and Ryan and Johnson and, and some of those other influencers, like how would we get, how would we go about trying to get in the big league product in the future as influencers? And um, everybody knew I was joking in the session, but Clay kind of took it a little bit seriously and was like, I'll have, we'll talk to our brand managers, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to figure out like what the, what the process is. But Lefty, like, what do you think of followbacks? And what do you guys, I'm curious as to what the audience thinks of, not only followbacks, but also the influencer cards. What's up with this? What's going on? I think it's fine for uh, for Top's product. Um, <clears throat> I'm probably going to make some divisive uh, comments here, uh, especially when half of, half of our community is collectors and half of them are investors. But as somebody who uh, is trying to do this as a breaker and also trying to do this as an investor and whatever, I don't give a crap about this. Like, it's just, it's growing the product, but like, cool. It's just like another gimmicky card. It feels more like something that you would find, uh, in a, in a, in just in a retail product or whatever. It feels like another insert that I'm just going to have to just pass over and sit in my bulk box, you know, and, and not that I don't. Are you talking specifically about the influencer cards or about yes. the follow back? Okay. So lefty's talking about the influencer cards being just another insert. And Mr. Ryan Bureski says safe to put them back in the bicycle spokes. Yeah. So it sounds like he's with you on that. And so like, I, I, I do agree that cards have to become more mainstream for us to do our job as well. You know, the more people that are involved, there's the more capital that's involved, the more people that are interested you know, like it, it, that's a good thing for the product. But I think this kind of the stuff is the stuff that I was scared of when Fanatics was coming in. It's like the gimmicky stuff. It feels mm -hmm. gimmicky. Um, the follow back stuff, I think it's fun, you know, but I also know that professional athletes don't exactly do their social media all the time. They have a team that runs it. So it's like, it's almost like just arbitrary, just like, okay, great. You know, Vlad Jr.'s following me. He right. probably, he probably muted you on social media after he followed you. So it's like, he's not even seeing anything of yours. Like, it's not like he's just going to be there, like liking the pictures of your dogs and stuff like that. You know, like um, it, it's, it's nice, but I also know like we're also in a professional setting of social media now. It's not like when Twitter first started where like, you know, like they're they're literally just out there exploring just like the regular human. They have brand managers, they have social media managers, they have people that are doing that for them. You know, like it, and it's kind of just more like, oh, this is a cool thing for uh, the interaction of social media. I could also see it, you know, becoming more sponsorship dollars and things like that from a fanatics perspective. But, um, you know, with working with said social media platforms and things like that. But from an investing standpoint, I don't think it moves the needle, uh, at least yeah. for the card specifically. What does move the needle is more people into the hobby yeah. and the overall uh, market cap. I agree. I think from a macro perspective, this is all actually great for us because it brings more people in. And as it brings more people in, all of our audience uh, will have more people 
basically trickling down to bid on their cards essentially is what it means over the long over the longer term i think is what hopefully the effect that it'll have on all of us i would agree probably everyone in our audience thinks this stuff is a little bit gimmicky i personally do not care if i ever have an influencer card i just am curious about from a business perspective how they're making their decisions how the process works i think as a business person i'm interested in these decisions that they're making because i do think they're interesting you know they're they're uh, they're fascinating to me like it's great marketing and while these inserts are a little bit gimmicky i agree uh, it's great marketing for the hobby. I think it brings a lot of people in. And I want to uh, segue into one that might be an investment lefty. So one thing that did catch my attention in Clay's presentation from Tops is uh, what's called a retrofractor. Have you heard of this yet? Not yet. Okay. So the retrofractor is going to be a new, it's going to be new in Bowman Chrome. It's going to be in Bowman Chrome this year. So okay. Bowman Chrome 2023 is where it's going to start. And then it's going to continue on into uh, subsequent Bowman releases is how Clay kind of described it. And it is the concept is that Bowman was a brand that Tops took over in like 1955. And then they shelved it until I guess the 2000s when they brought it back as Bowman as we know it now, where it essentially exists to showcase players first cards, right? And so these are the prospect cards that we all invest in. This is where I think this is interesting. Clay's point was legends like, let's say, Roberto Clemente, Sandy Koufax, George Herman, Babe Ruth, they never had a first Bowman card the way that we know them as investors. So what they're doing is they're dropping refractors numbered to 50 or less called retrofractors, and they're going to be the first and last Bowmans of legends. Hmm. And they will have the first logo on them as we know them for the prospects. Hmm. Because they're numbered, serial numbered to 50 or less, so it's going to be the gold, the, the, you know, the green, like it won't be green, it'll be gold, what, orange, red, orange, right? Red. And so it'll be, they'll be the one of one as well. And so because it will have that familiarity, living legends will also sign theirs so like clemente unfortunately who died early in, in a, a plane crash and, and like guys like babe ruth like we won't have autographs obviously but the living guys that have them will sign them could these be investable uh yeah i mean anything that's got a uh a legendary piece to it with a front run of 50 or less you know like um and with the automatic um, insignia that this is a that this is a limited short print, you know, like with the first logo and with the color differentiation and the autos as well, um, this could be really cool. I think some products have tried to do some retrofitting uh, before, and some of them have gone you know fine. I remember in uh, Tops Platinum uh, last year they put a um a remake of the mickey mantle 52 in there and they were selling for you know a couple hundred bucks i think at, at their peak um and so i could see something like that happening you know like a mickey mantle uh out of 50 i don't think they're necessarily going to be the highest valued cards out there um but they are i would say they're middle range tier you know like if you are uh, a breaker you know and you're trying to pull a 
You know, I also think it matters which Bowman product they put it in. If they put it in Bowman Draft, I'm not excited about it. If they put it in Bowman Chrome only, or if they put it in Bowman Chrome and Bowman Baseball, I'm I'm okay with it because that's more of like a, a shotgunny type product where it's just like this spread a little bit, um, a little bit wider in terms of what is in the product. Um, but I, I just want. I guess I'm what I'm realizing today is I'm kind of a Bowman draft purist. Like I want the guys that I'm actually going for rather than tops is just tops. Like series one and two is so broad. I'm just like, what, what am I, I'm not getting anything out of this. You know, like it's more, it's more for collectors and set collectors and things like that. Um, And personally, I'm trying to make money, you know, like, yeah. Well, that's what the show is all about. Me and you are not collectors. Yeah. You know, like, like you've made a point the other day that you like you don't i think it was last week you were like i don't actually collect any cards right they're all for turnaround yeah and, and that's and that's what i enjoy that's what's authentic to me and it's not it's not that i don't it's not that i won't maybe one day collect co- i love cards as much as anyone who collects cards it's just that what's authentic to me what i enjoy about it is flipping them yeah and so I'll hold them. I'll like, I'll enjoy them while I have them, but then I'm moving through, I'm moving through my product basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I have a little more of a collector bone than you do. Um, but the things I collect are like a dollar, you know, if they're anything over a dollar, I'm moving them, you know, like I have a, a, a Rangers PC box and all of them are just regular cards. So, um, anyway, I'm into the retrofitting. I think that could be really cool, especially if, um, it depends on how they look. If they look like a cheaper product, I'm not in on it. But if they look legit, I'm in. Here's one card that I will probably keep and not to throw us off too much, but I found a Tom Izzo upper deck 2010 numbered to 550. Tom Izzo. God, the background is preventing me from showing cards. There we go. You there can you kind go. of see it there. I got to put it behind my gray shirt. Tommy oh, Izzo looking young on this upper deck. Clear competitors numbered to 550. Found that in a uh, in a box. I'll talk about that later. But yeah, so I'm with you now. Real quick, Southern Soccer Idiot says he'd love to see uh, the M- the the MLS debut patch or the soccer debut patch, and he thinks it would it would go in an MLS product before any other. So that that makes sense. Happy Monday to you too, Greeny Green. For those of you listening on Apple and Spotify, we're taking comments from the youtube feed here um brian steeler 714 says uh if those one of one mlb debut patch cards go to auction 90 percent of the card community wouldn't be able to afford them probably more like 95 percent yeah so he's basically saying those those are investable products to um to the high end high end people um which I think is is great for. I top. think he's coming it's, against he's coming against my point by saying that they should be in retail product rather than, uh, like just at auction. That's true. Which yeah. I think is fine if a kid pulls a one of one MLB debut patch. It's cool, um, but it also kind of cringes me on the inside knowing that they could just end up in somebody's back pocket. Yeah, but like n- knowing that like kids could go potentially go to like Dick Sporting Goods and get series one in the future or series two or whatever and like pull the mlb debut patch like that's exciting to me chad gill kind of agrees he's saying incredible idea love the 
Love the uh, the creativity from Tops. Brian Steeler714 says the influencer cards make me sick. Although Jeff Wilson card might be worth something because a lot of people are going to light them on fire, creating yes. a massive shortage. Wow. Bringing it strong, Brian. We love it. We love the passion. Let us know what you guys think in the comments. And uh, this is great. So I'm not going to read all the comments, but thanks everybody in the, in, you know, for, for chiming in, everybody uh, watching the show back, check this out on the live feed and let us know what you think. Um, all right. So we talked about, you know, quite a bit from the mint collective lefty before, before we get into L of the week, is there any, anything you want to, you want to talk about from the mint collective or ask me or any, any other notes from the weekend? No, I was just saying that I think, uh, Ryan Bruski's la last big comment here is is something that I think that's really where my heart's at with this is like they're clearly ambitious. I love the ambition. I that's why I was excited about fanatics being involved in the top or in, in card collecting in general. Uh, but it is it does lean on that oversaturation of our product that that our hobby has like trauma towards. You know, like we've seen overproduction in the past. Uh, and we've seen it kill our, we've seen it kill our, our, our hobby, you know? So. Yep. Yep. Thanks everybody for the, uh, for the thoughts. Keep them coming in the comments. Um, all right, lefty, what's your L of the week, man? My L of the week is just time. You, you never have enough of it, you know, like, and there's just, there's stuff that I'm trying to do in my regular day life. And then trying to be like a card shark out here, just making and wheeling and dealing. And, uh, and, and it's just like the, the L is there was so much happening this weekend, especially sports related that I couldn't see it all. And I was pretty frustrated by all of it. You know, like I was trying, I, I missed, I missed my FC Cincinnati game, you oh, know, and we, we won one zero against Miami go top of the top of the East, uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, up the Gary's, um, just go ahead and say it for me, Paul. Up the Garys. There we go. All right. Uh, and then, you know, baseball it, it started on, you know, the 30th. And uh, I tried to catch as many of those as I could, trying to get to the debuts of a lot of the guys that uh, that we're kind of looking at. And some of the guys that are on my fringe list that I haven't talked about hardly at all. But, you know, like, obviously, if I'm here doing this research for you and giving you guys names, there's also guys on my list that don't necessarily make the show cut that i'm looking at to try to see if they will eventually make the show cut if that makes sense but i've got to see them like so many times i've got to be able to see them makes spencer, sense. spencer steer is one of these guys you know he's a guy that i'm not necessarily super pumped about i have mentioned uh, him a, a couple of times but he comes out and opening day he's a home run and i'm like okay this is you know does that mean he's a sell now <clears throat> does that mean he's moving up the ranks does that mean he is I've got to get eyeballs on this guy to see if he's confident in his position. I've got to get eyeballs on this guy to see if he's uh, ready to be a major leaguer or if he just got a hold of a of a of a curveball that slipped. You know what I'm saying? But uh, L of the week, I think, is just I couldn't get to everything this week. I wanted to watch Miami versus UConn, couldn't. Uh, I wanted to watch the MLS, couldn't. Luckily, um, Everton's game against Tottenham is today, so you know I can catch that one. Oh, but the that's toffees. Yeah, there we go. Is that uh, what they say? That is it. All yeah. right, there we Thank go. Thank you. Thank you. 
Uh, if you could just learn all the sayings of all my favorite teams, and anytime I mention them, if you I'm could getting just, there, just up the whatever, uh, up the Rangers, up the Garys, up the Toffees, you know. Uh, no, uh, I think it's just time. I think an L of the week is you've got to be extremely perci- like precision based on your timing to keep a handle of all this. I mean, um, I mean, the hobby is ever expanding. Yeah, there are more and more names that are coming out. That's why you know soccer is is ever expanding uh that's why i could really only focus on a couple sports that's why we got yeah. that's why we need a team here at sports card strategy show that's right we we're trying to grow the team if you're interested in working for nooffseason.com email me at paul at nooffseason.com we're trying to grow the team and uh that of course includes the sports card strategy show and all the content that we're putting out um ag cards has an l of the week thanks ag cards he says beckett yeah i was waiting for somebody to mention this i tried yeah. to see it up for lefty he didn't take it. It's cool. AG cards. Thanks for, for chiming in. Oh, my shoes says Beckett is a big L. I agree. I, I have agree a take too. on this. I can't believe you, I didn't say that. You go ahead. Give me your take first, and then I'm going to tell you what I think. I think Beckett's been in shambles for a couple of years. <laughs> you know, they're trying to figure out where their position is in this hobby. Um, I think SGC is doing a better job than them of positioning themselves as the junior, the junior slabs. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Baruski says Beckett is lame. That's why. Yeah. Uh, that's 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 why Lefty's chuckling. Keep I'm going. actually chuckling at myself because I okay. just I just called them the junior slabs. Uh, you know, like yeah. You, I mean, SGC Beckett and all them. It seems like PSA is further supplementing themselves as the only real investable guys out there. Um, but the BGS nine five was almost as close as it could get, and and the old tens were something that were going for higher money than a PSA ten just because of of pop count. And when they make this move to you know this weird ten where there's like multiple different tens, it's just like who the heck cares? Beckett is just grabbing for straws here. I feel like uh, the hard part is like I know the guys at Beckett. Uh, I've met them before. Um, and they're super, super nice guys. The CEO is just like the one of the coolest guys I've ever met in the hobby. Uh, but this is a lame call. Yeah. This is this is lame. You gotta be a little you gotta have a little bulldog in you, a little fight, I think, as a business person to make it. And I think you gotta have a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. And I don't know anyone at Beckett personally, but from what I've heard an- the ancillary comments like even the one you just made they they seem to just kind of be coasting a little bit and maybe resting on their laurels and and this decision to me like i i have no skin in the game with beckett i don't i only own beckett slabs for the for the chad gill effect you know the crack and and submit to psa dr chad gill is as uh, i think baruski refers to him on the show um so that's the only reason I own Beckett Slabs is because they're another grading company that could potentially show me what I'm looking at before I crack it and, and give it to PSA. But from a business standpoint, this is baffling to me where you would you would make a decision like this, obviously in a vacuum without getting any feedback from your clientele. You would botch the launch of it in a ridiculously stupid way then you wouldn't have the wherewithal. You, so then you make the decision to retract it, which I don't, I don't have a problem with businesses changing their mind. I've changed my mind in business a lot. And I've said, look, I thought I was going to do this one thing. I said I was going to do it. Here's why I decided not to do it. I'm going to do this other thing. 
I get that. But then you don't have the wherewithal, Lefty, to realize that it's April Fool's Day. And, then, and what you could do is you could turn it retroactively into an April Fool's prank. Yeah. And they didn't even do that. Like, they could have they saved their own asses by just being mm. like, April Fool's. But Lefty, they spent, I was there, they, they had to have spent tens of thousands of dollars just on the marketing materials for this because I was there in person. They had displays. Like, those things aren't cheap. So, like, and then they wanted to talk to us. Like, I guess I consider myself a member of the media, the press, right, at this Mint Collective thing. I'm not there really to sell cards or, or like, buy for a hobby shop. I don't have a hobby shop. So I'm there, and I don't work for any of the card companies. I'm there as a media member, basically. So they want to talk to me at 6 a.m. on Friday when shit doesn't even start until 10 a.m. For that, I'm like, 6 a.m. Like I get up early, but I'm I'm doing other stuff. I'm not gonna go talk to Beckett at 6 a.m. for an announcement that everybody it was leaked on Thursday. It just was really weird. I think um, this just reiterates to me why PSA is number one. PSA has the PSA 10, the PSA 9, the PSA 8, and I think people can make good arguments why maybe PSA should have some subgrades. Fine, but. The reality is they're simple. People can understand it. Everybody in the hobby can understand what a PSA 10 is. And the minute you start to complicate it, you're screwed. And so then, you know, you're, you're going back on your decision. You're doing it in a really weird way. I definitely lost a lot of respect for Beckett, but Chad Gill texted me over the weekend and he's like, this is a huge opportunity to go buy old Beckett slabs while people are pissed and, and maybe dumping their Beckett's and do what we've been talking about on the sports card strategy show for weeks now and crack them and submit them to PSA. You just got to make sure the price is right. Um, the demise of Beckett, the next 30 for 30. That would be awesome. Ryan Baruski. I like this. So um, anyway, a lot going on in the comments. Check that out, everybody. Thanks so much for bringing that up. Great call. Um, okay. So I'm going to get into my card related L's of the week. So I had a uh, Isaac Pacheco that I paid uh, $105 for last year, sold it for $67 this past week. Overall, my, I was really, really happy with my auctions, but definitely did not make money on all of them on my eBay auctions. Uh, Nooffseason.com slash eBay is, is how to get to my store if you want to check it out. Uh, another L of the week that I'm shipping out today is my Max Muncy that I bought on the show last summer. I paid $410 for it raw. This is an out of 50 gold shimmer refractor auto. First Bowman, Max Muncy with the A's. Cool card. Got a PSA 9, sold it for $300, $300.01. So I lost $110 on that. Just wanted to share a couple card-related L's of the week. But Lefty, let's talk about wins of the week. What's your W of the week? My W of the week uh, is the amount of cards I've been able to acquire from my Indy Rodriguez uh, purchase sale. Let's go, Lefty. I mean, this whole stack right here is all investable cards that I have acquired from selling seven Indy Rodriguez cards. In the last 90 days, I have sold $5,040 worth of cards, which has been able to not only reinvest into some 
stuff around the house here, which I think is an important thing for us to realize as humans and as the hobby. I was able to spend five hundred dollars, you know, doing some stuff around the house that my wife just absolutely loved. I was able to do put some money towards uh like um like taking down some debt and things like that. So I, I ended up taking like twenty three hundred dollars out and then reinvested three or uh, about three and a half grand. And I was able to move that into 17 different cards and uh, everything from a Victor Wimbanyama, yes. you know, like <laughs> Sports Illustrated for Kids that I got for like 40 bucks um, to things like here. I'm just going to share some of the ones that I that I'm proud of. Uh, I was able to move into three soccer players that I love. I got a PSA 10 Vinny Jr., a PSA 9 Sokka Prism. Uh, and then I got a Christian Pulisic out of ten on card auto. Are those all three of those look like autos? Yeah, they are. They're sick. Nice work. Yeah, some incredible soccer players uh, that I'm really proud of. So that these three together, I got an awesome deal um, from Krim at uh, Texas Roadshow. Um, I was able to move into a lot of Mason Hour cards as another prospect that I'm diving back into. So uh, I was able to get a bunch of PSA 10s and color autos of his. And I did get some base autos as well. So Mason Hour, uh, I took a swing in a riskier part of my portfolio towards Alex Kirilov. I've talked to him. I've yeah. talked about him a couple of times. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm loving the exit velocity on Owen Casey, um, who is another prospect um, as well. But then I was able to move into two... Tyrese Maxi cards that I absolutely love. Uh, before, on bef fire. before the playoffs. So we got a Tyrese Maxi Red Wave uh, PSA 10 auto, uh, rookie ticket auto, a image variation rookie ticket auto um, from Tyrese Maxi as well. PSA 10. Phenomenal. So, I mean, I was just able to make some really significant buys with one player really popping off for me. So I think the only thing I wanted, you know, I don't say that from a pride perspective or something like that. I'm just simply saying, guys, there is things in this hobby that we are doing, Paul and I, that is that, you know, a year and two, almost two years out now of testing is working. Now, if it that was, I invested, um, $1,500 in Andy Rodriguez 14 months ago was able to turn that around into a little over five grand and then pay like took the initial investment out and then also got a nice gift for my wife out there and then turned it back around into 15 more cards that I probably will flip within the next six months. That's the and, way to do oh, it. Man. I also I have one awesome card as well that I have not gotten in yet that I am excited about. I have going ahead and I'm starting to buy uh, Alex Morgan autos as well. Uh, I think she's going to score bags of goals in the world cup and no one's talking about her yet. That's a great call. You texted me a photo of that card last week. Great pickup. Alex Morgan. Great call lefty doing it all guys. I mean, this is what it's all about. Make some money, pull some money out, put some of the money back in, make sure that you're pulling money out though. Each time, right? It's like, it's like if you are betting on DraftKings or, or FanDuel or whatever, 
and you're winning, you got to take some money out of that bankroll and keep your bank, you know, keep only the amount that you want invested in the bankroll. We talk about that concept on the sports card strategy show ever since lefty and I started doing the show together. Um, we want you to, we want you to keep investing obviously, but keep taking money out at the same time, just so that you are making money as you are managing your bankroll. Um, so great work. My, W of the week. Uh, I've got a bunch of card related W's because I've been running a ton of auctions. I'm an auction guy over a buy it now or best offer. It just is what works for me. I enjoy it more. I'm having success with the auction format on eBay quite a bit. So I'll share that in a second. But real quick, I feel more connected to the hobby than ever after going to the Mint Collective. Most of you know, I was in Spain for five years. I did go to the National last year with Lefty coming back from a visit from Spain. Now I'm back home in Franklin, Tennessee. I'm able to do a lot more in person. So I will be attending more and more shows. And being at the Mint Collective made me feel more connected than ever. Not only being able to just learn more from everybody in the hobby who's been in it a lot longer than I have from a business standpoint, but also like meeting a lot of you, the audience, like people uh, I had a great time meeting up with some people that are audience members of the sports card strategy show and frequent visitors of nooffseason.com. People were coming up to me. Hey, Paul, I love the content. Where's lefty, you know? So that was like a huge, <laughs> a huge W of the week. I was texting lefty over the weekend, like, all right, next year, got to figure out a way to, to get you with me at the mint collective. And, um, you know, meeting a lot of people, a lot of people, not only audience members, knowing the sports card strategy show and the nooffseason.com brand, but other influencers that I had no clue had any idea who I was also knew. And so next year uh, at the mint collective and at a lot of other live events, I've got some big ideas, some big plans, simple, simple ideas to execute some nice things. And uh, if any of you want to get involved, email me at Paul at nooffseason.com. I got a plan for how we can get our audience involved in that. And so, uh, let's get into my card related W's of the week. So Jonathan Kuminga made me some money. So I paid $81 for a raw rookie ticket auto plus $19 for the grading sold for one twenty three fifty, So made 20 bucks. I've people ask me all the time, what are you looking to make on a card? I think if I make 20 bucks, I'm good with that. That's like running an e-commerce store and you're, you know, you've got inventory, you've got overhead costs, but you've got a $20 profit on your skew kind of a thing. I'd love to make a hundred, but you're not going to, you know, I'd rather make 20. If that's the average, I'm good with that. And, you know, as long as you're not losing money, if you're making money, this is a business. So, uh, Dansby Swanson, uh, picked it up for a dollar, uh, 2017 tops Chrome, auto 1987 tops design picked it up for a dollar at the national not an auto thank you psa 10 is what i meant to say i think um had it graded got a 10 picked it up at the national for a dollar in a dollar box not an auto thank you lefty um 15 grading fee sold for 35 way more than i thought it was gonna sell for made 19 <laughs> bucks so this is an interesting thing right because kuminga i had to invest a hundred in and I made 20 and they got a PSA nine Dansby Swanson looking at the card in person thinking this could get a 10 
maybe if I sell it at the right time, it could make me some money. Made 19, sold for $35. So it just shows you, you can make plays kind of all over the map. Uh, CES, Christian Encarnacion Strand, lefty mentioned last week, probably a good time to, to list him for sale. Uh, paid 90 in person at Dave's card shop in Atlanta, graded it for 19, came back at 10, sold 158, made $49. Tyrese Maxey got this at Dave's card shop also paid three bucks, $19 for the grading fee sold for 59 made $37. These are kind of some of the highlights from the auction. This was an L for lefty, but a W for me. He actually wanted this card paid zero for it. Pulled it out of a hoops blaster. $19 for the grading sold for $61. I give myself the zero on this because the blaster was for fun. Made $42 on a Chet Holmgren that got a PSA 10. So getting better at looking at cards in person and deciding what to grade, what not to grade, I think that's a huge part of what I'm doing, what we're going to continue to be talking about at nooffseason.com. And that's one of the reasons why I threw up on the channel and in the feed, the CSG grade school. I thought that was interesting. So everybody go check out the CSG grade school uh, video and uh, podcast episode that I threw up in the feed. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about my W's. And um, one other note on that, uh, I think it's another W and I want to make sure I get it in this episode. I decided on the, I think solving a problem is a W, right? I think I solved the problem. Problem was sports card strategy show is growing. Nooffseason.com is growing. Lefty and I had a conversation a couple weeks ago. An ongoing conversation is like, how do we keep this show to like an hour or an hour and 15 minutes? Do we add other shows? How do we keep the audience involved? Because that's what we care about the most is, is all of you. And how do we continue to make it relevant and hard hitting and good information and move through things? We're going to be launching, not this upcoming Thursday, but the following Thursday, a Thursday show. Lefty, don't worry. I'll talk to you about this later. This is new information for everybody, including Lefty. <laughs> the concept for the Thursday show is sports card strategy show and tell. If you want to be part of sports card strategy show and tell, and you want to show your stuff on the show and tell show, this is going to be every Thursday. Email me at paul at nooffseason.com. I want to get you in the Thursday edition of the sports card strategy show. So there'll be two Sports card strategy shows a week now. Happy to announce that here. I believe that's a W. So I'm throwing it at the end of the W in the week segment. And I want to make it about all of you, the audience. So sports card strategy show and tell is what the Thursday episode is going to be called. Email me at paul at nooffseason.com if you want to be part of the show. And I'll explain to you how. Let's get into who we're buying, okay? <laughs> Let's go. Who we're buying, this doesn't exist yet. This is kind of a joke, but I want a Zava card. <laughs> Love it. I want a Zava card. I want our, our, our person, Kyler Smith, put together a Zava card, Kyler. Come on the show and talk about it. Everybody that's listening and watching, email Kyler Smith and tell them that they need to come on the sports card strategy show. And uh, let's talk about a Zava card. But... um. Anyway, I'm going to go through my mint, my mint collective pickups real quick. Um, so I got an Anthony Edwards HGA 95 select out of 249 auto. Um, and it looks like it could be a PSA 10, but the guy I bought it from 
told me that there are like some bubbles on the surface, some little tiny bubbles on the surface. So I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do with this, but it's a nine, five court, nine, five corners, 10 edges, nine surface. So I don't know what HGA is doing with their surface grades, 9.5 centering. So it's a, it's a HGA nine, five gem mint. Got it for 300 bucks. PSA nine last comp at 420. So that would be a profit if I do crack it and even get a nine and raw comp at 270. So Love Anthony Edwards. He's my guy. Still buying him. And I wanted to share that on the show. Even Another after one, they lost to a 19-point 19, 19 favorite Portland Trailblazers? Hey, you know, one little game, one little blip. You know, this is... Anthony Edwards is not a quick flip for me. Like, if we mentioned earlier in the show that I'm not PCing anyone, but him and Giannis are probably the closest that I have to PCing because those are the guys I'm willing to hold through the thick and thin, right? Yeah. I won't spend too much more time on my mint collective pickups lefty. Cause I want to give you more time to talk, but I did talk about this over the weekend on one of the other shows I put out Isaiah Thomas, 1984, 85 star basketball, uh, BGS eight, five that will be cracked and submitted to PSA and then cards. I wouldn't normally buy, um, but just negotiated a deal and essentially ended up getting this Derek Jeter rookie, uh, 1992, it's Upper Deck Minor League PSA 10, 1992 draft pick card for 50 bucks. It's it the last it comps at around 120. So I'm gonna say that was kind of the deal. And then this Pedri was part of that deal. Still, just love me some Pedri. I, I don't know. I mean, hopefully, Lefty and, and SSI, you guys think. I mean, he's the man in Barca been, right now. Uh, it's out of 49. Steve Aoki tops rookie uh, festival green. Uh, PSA 10. So, and then I picked up a lot of other cards. I'm not going to waste everybody's time on this show with that, but went through and bought some cards for the audience. So when you are a nooffseason.com member, typically quarterly, I'm going to just ship you some free cards as a thank you. So I I spent 70 bucks at a uh, dealer's box because I thought he had some nice cards. That's where I got the Izzo. And I don't necessarily think I'm going to sell them on eBay. I think what I'm going to do is no offseason.com premium subscribers that support. They deserve some free stuff. So I think quarterly I'm going to send them out, continue to send them out to the subscribers. And uh, yeah, that's who I'm buying. Those are some of my pickups. Lefty, who you yeah, buying? I, so I, I, I mentioned a little bit earlier who I'm buying. Uh, I, I've been continuing to pick. I really like Mason Howard as a prospect. I like Owen Casey as well. These guys that that are coming through our just baseball, um, you know, pro, prospect stuff. We're looking at exit velocity, things like that. Things that have a good swing pattern and maybe just haven't put it all together yet. Maybe deeper down in the prospect pool where we can make a big turn similar to that of an Indy Rodriguez pickup. But I also, uh, this is a buy of the week, kind of. Uh, Paul and I and anybody else that that did this got our Sports Illustrated for Kids in the mail this week. So uh, kind of an interesting thing for me to be able to go back. And as I read these as kids, I I had this every single month for, I mean, I think maybe 10 years. So, I mean, I have my own Sports Illustrated for Kids cards that we've talked about before. You know, like I even graded my Brady uh, rookie card from from uh my sports illustrated for kids but this this year 
or this month, I didn't see anything super pressing that that is coming out of this, other than maybe Marcus Sasser's first card, um, who is uh, playing on that Houston Cougars team that could have won the national championship. Um, and so I was super hoping they would put a Clark card in here from Ohio, uh, from Iowa. You know, that Caitlin girl, Clark. Yeah, she had one, I think already. Unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. So I, you know, given maybe it'll, in a couple of little breakdowns here in the next couple of months or so, somebody remind me to go back and buy some Clark cards because yep. her cards are going to pop off at some point. She's a junior at Iowa. I love what I'm seeing. Congrats to the LSU Tigers. But I, I just want to take a moment. This is a hot take. Hot take. Ready? I think potentially, and maybe not straight up number for number, but in terms of, uh, you know, market cap and things like that per capita whatever however we want to describe this i think that the girls national championship is going to draw more attention than the men's national championship this year because you have two superstars or well three really if you include um oh what's her name who's also a rapper as well that plays there's the freshman on lsu's team like you've got star who's incredible you've got Clark, who is incredible, and then you've got other LSU players. You've got the coach, the, you know, that's won multiple at this point, and I think she's like third or third coach to do it, or first coach to do it at multiple uh, universities. Just awesome scene. Like I was super pumped just to be a sports fan yesterday. Yeah, um, you know, and, and and it was a game that you know you your star player comes out and or a star player comes out and scores 21 and a half and she regularly scores 3 in a game like let's go yeah that's a great point this is another reason why to get the sports illustrated for kids subscription not the digital one chad gill uh the actual <laughs> one she'll get an actual subscription it's like 19 bucks for 2 years total i think so there's uh 6 mags a year and i got mine I took the cards out. I gave the magazine to my son. And then I was like, wait a minute. I like this magazine. I read it as a kid too, Lefty. And then I read the mag. It's sweet. Like the magazine's awesome. That's a magazine for all of us, I think. We're still kids. So yeah. my so last thing I wanted to mention about this is this section right here. I texted Paul about this, but it's getting good card grades. It's a it's a subset. It's an article in here uh, about grading cards and the difference between a mint nine and a, and a one. And I was just like, Paul, this is significant. Yep. They know that sports illustrated knows that, that they're putting cards in this, in this issue and they're starting something real in a young person's life. For us, we've talked about I, I, earlier. This is going to sound like a weird take because of the take I made earlier about the MLB debut and the influencer cards and big league and all that kind of stuff. I think this is awesome. I'm super pumped that we're talking about slab differences to a young audience. And we're talking about, uh, not only did they talk about slab differences, they put a 1968 Nolan Ryan rookie card as, as the example. And so we're, they're just, they're crossing a lot of, a lot of different uh, timelines here. And I just love what they're doing here. Sports Illustrated for Kids. We talked about it. I'm excited to have them, not only from the investable opportunity that potentially we could get, but I was excited to open it up and read 
journalism that is going to be fueling the next generation of sports fans and card collectors. Phenomenal W of the Week, Lefty. A lot in there. Quick W of the Week from Oh My Shoes in the audience. Went to an auction at his local card show, and his son and he won three boxes of modern and nearly 2,000 basketball, baseball, and football. Both of us got stoked to get home and start digging. Congratulations, Shoes. That's awesome. Buffalo Boone is in the house. Good to see you. I think this is a first-time commenter, Buffalo Boone. Uh, says Kendall got a stack of lasso cards. Yes, he did. Um, yeah, Baruski strong in the in the comments as well, talking about my Pedri and Anthony Edwards pickups. Thanks everybody for contributing to the comments section. All right, let's get into audience Q and A. So a lot of you emailed. Appreciate that. This is a follow up from Christoph Schmidt. If you recall, um, he and his sons from last week, pulled a one-of-one Erling Haaland. He followed up. Discussions with the boys will opt for a sale sooner or later. This card has symbolic value, and it's clear that we will never pull a card like this again. But we are no Haaland collectors and therefore want to capitalize on the demand and refinance the next box and some cards. Hopefully, Hopefully, the kids won't run down the street and sell it to the neighbor first. Not an experienced eBay seller, but we'll probably opt for that route. Um, thought about selling it on com C at the end. I'll have time and don't need the card to sell tomorrow. One hype cycle could be in May when Halan breaks the scoring record or wins the premier league champions league, but I could also wait until Norway qualifies for the world cup. Maybe like lefty said, we will see lefty. What do you think about this? When basically, when should Kristoff sell this Halan one of one? I, I think he's got it right. I mean, we even talked about this on our most recent edit of the Halan page on uh, our sports card. Um, no offseason.com. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. We got so many names uh, on no offseason.com. Our ranking system. We just redid Holland's um, or Halan's um, profile. And I recommended that if you're selling sell in May, because he's good. Not only is he going to break the scoring record, He's going to be on a Man City team that's pushing for a title. They have a chance to win the Champions League. There's just a bunch of other things that are going to be coming down. I'm personally, I'm not waiting on Norway. I don't, I don't believe they're going to be a powerhouse soon. I think they could sneak into some tournaments. Um, I, they, they tied to Georgia last week. Like it's, it's tough. This Norway team is tough. I really would like him to reclassify as an England national team member, but that's just me personally. But uh, I, I wouldn't wait. I would sell it in May as well. I love the trajectory of him, um, and I would actually probably put it up for auction in April uh, because there's like pre-hype to other people trying to get their last-minute bids in, and so that's typically not the highest sale, but when people are buying the most. So it's like the month before everything happens. So like that's why we lift all list all of our baseball cards in March, so that when April happens, they've they've pretty much all moved. You know if that makes sense. So listed in April, late April, um, and just ride out the rest of the Premier League season. Enjoy watching him, and then uh, refinance it into some more boxes and some more wax, and uh, I don't know, buy a house with it or something. There you go, Christoph. Keep us posted on how that sale goes later. Up next. Brian Hunt just wanted to share some BGS to PSA results. And I appreciate Brian doing that because this is super relevant to what we've been talking about. Lefty and I with Chad, we've been putting a lot of content about it for the premium members on nooffseason.com. 
So basically, Brian submitted a bunch of BGS slabs to PSA. He didn't crack them. He mm. sent them in as crossover grading. And Chad kind of made the point that he hasn't really had success with this. I haven't either because there appears to potentially be some bias at PSA when they get a BGS slab. Or maybe it's not bias. Maybe it's just that BGS is shitty at grading cards and PSA is better. And that's why the grades don't come over as much. But he's basically... Brian, I'll run you guys through the grades here in a second, but um, he's thinking now, does he crack some cards that he was going to send in based on these results? So um, sent in nine BGS cards on February 28th via the $40 crossover value with a minimum. He put a minimum PSA 10 grade. So this is another strategy where he wanted them back in the BGS slab if PSA wasn't going to grade them a PSA 10. So I think Brian's eating the 40 bucks because these are higher dollar cards, which is an interesting strategy. I, I kind of like it. So 03 Tops Chrome LeBron, BGS 9.5, mailed February 28th, arrived March 3rd, entered March 9th, shipped March 22nd. The reason I'm telling you guys all this is because you guys all have questions about this timeline. Received uh, 324. So he got it back relatively quickly, but it was BGS all nine five subgrades came back in the original BGS slab, which means it did not cross over to a PSA 10. Very interesting. 2017 Don Russ Mahomes BGS 9.5, same timeline. Got it back really quickly. Got it back within a month. No BGS subgrades came back in the original BGS slab. 0 for 2. 2000 uh, Crown Royale Retail Tom Brady, same timeline. Centered 10, edges 9. Corners and Surface 9.5, guess what? Came back in original BGS slab. So far, basically, Brian's saying now. he's wasted, he's wasted like 120 bucks. I mean, like maybe not wasted, that's part of his strategy, but he's he's auditing. If he he doesn't want these to come back cracked, basically, if he wouldn't have put a minimum PSA 10 subgrade, he would have gotten these back cracked with the card back with just a label on a top loader uh, or a card saver rather that says like, you know, this is your, this is your card back and it didn't get a PSA 10 or he, or he would have gotten them back with like, if he didn't put it in, he would have got it back as a PSA nine or PSA eight or whatever. So depending on authenticity and grade and all that, another LeBron James, 2003 tops BGS nine, five, same timeline. Came back in original BGS slab. This one had a Surface 10. So it had three 9.5s and a Surface 10. Still didn't cross over to a PSA 10. 20, uh, 2009 Steph Curry rookie, BGS 9.5. Uh, all 9.5 subgrades except Edges 9 came back in a BGS slab. Steph Curry 2009 Panini Studio. So now we're getting into a different brand of card. Center 9, Edges and Corners 9.5, Surface 10. Came back a PSA 10, Brian. Way there to go. go. Way to get one PSA 10, brother. Nice work. So we're, we're on and popping here. A couple others are still in QA check two. Good luck to Brian on that. He's got three more cards in uh, QA check two. Anyway, Brian, thanks so much for, for sharing all of that. Lefty, any thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's always a risky investment, um, especially when it, my opinion is they can't exactly, they're, they're, they're somehow assuming off of BGS's, uh, 
you know, card grades, and then they're doing the best they can to grade it through some glass, you know, or through some plastic. Yep. So yeah, they're using some technology to look through the the slab of BGS, right? Yeah. So Chad, I think, would say, crack these. Don't don't do it this way. Crack them. And I think with your 40, the way that I would kind of approach what Brian's doing, I would first of all, Brian, this is extremely valuable data for our audience. I think mm -hmm. we can all learn from Brian's experience here and potentially crack these, send them into PSA. I think you do improve your chances at a better grade. I think you also, if it comes back, the grade that's going to lose money for you, you still probably have some money to crack it again and maybe submit it to a different grading company or back again to PSA just to see what happens. Because we do know there's a lot of stories of where people have done that with PSA and it comes back a different, better grade the next time. Yeah. Um, oh, my shoes signed up for the PSA subscription last month. When do you start getting your magazines? Fairly quickly. I mean, shoes, it should be, you should get it like next month, I would think. Um, up next, terminology help. Evan Ramos, uh, new subscriber to nooffseason.com, loyal audience member to the show. What is a flyer on nooffseason.com? And are all of your buy, sells, holds, and plays pertain only to the cards listed or pictured? Does it work with any liquid card pertaining to a specific player? Any assistance would be extremely appreciated. I wanted to throw this one in. Yeah, because we need to do a better job explaining our terminology. We probably need to have some more terminology help on the show, but also on the website. So to answer Evan's question, a flyer on nooffseason.com is like any player that is a prospect, essentially. Like we're, like we're prospecting. We could, we could call them prospects. We're calling them flyers because there's some element of risk involved with that player. I would say a greater element of risk but also a greater element of immediate reward. So like Cam Thomas, who Nick Chang uh, at the uh, Mint Collective uh, was joking around with me about. That's how I knew he actually was a listener to the show because we were talking about Cam Thomas. He's a flyer. And the reason why he's a flyer is because there's risk. Maybe he never got off the bench and his cards went to zero. Maybe he put up 340 straight point, 40 point games straight and help me profit. So that's that's a flyer. Buy, sell, hold, that part of the question, Evan. Um, it, it doesn't always pertain to the cards shown on the player profile. Read the play. So the play will explain what to buy. The cards that are shown in the data section of the player profile are generally the most investable cards of that player, but it doesn't always mean to buy, sell, or hold those cards at that time if the player is a buy, sell, or hold. So definitely read the play section there. Yeah, I think um, this is a terminology that I think came from me. Uh, I think I was like flyer, goat, and star at yep. one point. And the way that I looked at this is, and th this is a little bit different. I think this is like, if, I, if I'm putting a critical view on what we do um, as nooffseason.com most of what we talk about is short-term flips but when we label these guys we're talking about long-term holds and flip like long-term investments so i think that's where it's a little bit confusing and maybe we could do a little bit better job of explaining that with some infographics and stuff like that but but for the audience when i labeled like goat stars and 
and flyers. I'm thinking goats are long-term, put it in a vault, hold it forever. It's going to beat the S&P 500. You know, like you can buy a house with it someday, blah, blah, blah. Stars are like something that you're making a nice investment in that you want to make a nice turnaround. In my opinion, it would be like uh, in the next year or so. And then flyers are something it, it's a it's a, a section of your portfolio. The way I looked at it, it's a section, a section of your portfolio that is high in risk tolerance. So you have a ton of risk tolerance in this area where you can spend a just a portion of your portfolio money in the flyer section because you have it's it's money that you can have a high ceiling on and a super low floor on and this is just like taking a mental perception and in investing that's different than just throwing money at cards you like so in this it, it, our flyers in general would be guys that are you can easily turn one dollar into 20 but you can easily burn this dollar and so uh, the way I frame it is like, I love having a couple of goats in your portfolio to balance the, the risk tolerance. I love having stars in there to be able to, to incrementally, you know, go up in your, in your uh, portfolio management. And then you have some flyers and the flyers are ones that if you hit them, they're going to be nice for your portfolio value. If you miss on them, you, you have that risk tolerance anyway. So, yeah. Well said. And stars are called heroes on nooffseason.com currently, just for everybody who's um, a subscriber of the website. But cool. that's a great Thanks breakdown. And I think that 40, 40, 20 is kind of depending on your risk tolerance, yeah. how you would break that down. And we can talk more about that later. But uh, audience question from Scott been trying to make some Otani plays with finding SGC 95, CSG 95s to crack and resubmit to PSA for 10s. Love it. Um, this week, I remember you guys saying you're more focused on the 9.5s for the older CSG green slabs. Do you typically stay away from newer CSG slabs that are graded at a 9.5? Like you, uh, like do you feel like the more updated slabs that are 9.5s has less of a chance of being a PSA 10 than the older ones? Yes, Scott. The only reason why I say yes to that is because if it's a black, newer csg 95 that's actually equivalent to an sgc 95 meaning it's a mint plus i believe is what they call it it's not a gem mint so csg black 95s are not gem mint so they're not as likely to cross over to psa 10s you should be paying less far less for a new csg 95 Whereas an old green CSG 9.5 will say gem mint on it, which should have a higher rate of crossing over to a PSA 10. Hopefully that makes sense. That's why the answer to that is yes. And I'll throw in one more thing here. Be careful with HGA 9.5s because I've said on this show that I've been going after HGA 9.5s. I've had success with really high subgrades, cracking and submitting to PSA to get a PSA 10. But HGA doesn't use the same technology by any stretch of the imagination, nor did HGA have the greater experience that say an SGC or a PSA or even, you know, definitely a CSG or even a BGS would have. So you can get screwed with an HGA 9.5. Like I've had, I've ordered some HGA 9.5 since we started this discussion about cracking and 
it's like it is a nine five centering or something, and it's like way off when I got it. So it's just be careful with HGA. Let me put it to you this way on HGA. <laughs> this is a good, this is, I uh, I bought a um, a cello of Premier or like um, a sports cards uh, maybe a year and a half ago. I pulled a historic ticket R- Ronaldo card out of it. I was so freaking pumped. Hundred card, hundred dollars raw. I was so pumped that I dropped it on the floor and I picked it back up and literally I dog eared one of the corners. I was just like, I I could not have been more distraught. So I unfolded the corner, kind of straightened it out, put it under a microscope and like did my best to kind of doctor it, sent it to HGA, got a nine, five corner. <laughs> Amazing! I literally dog eared the corner, and then was still able to get a nine. Maybe send your shitty mess ups to uh, HGA. See what happens. All right, up next, audience feedback from Josh Ryu from Kenai, Alaska. Josh is a loyal No Offseason.com subscriber. Uh, He says, "Here's a suggestion for No Offseason.com, and I love it. Make an annual chart of buy and sell cycles for each sport." Listening to the podcast, you can get in-depth dialogue about a specific cycle pertaining to the market and time of year we are in. It would be cool to see a chart or graph with a hyperlink. Folks can click and view these charts and see to make better decisions. The veteran speculators will know these st- these statistics, but an all-around collector turning to buying and selling would appreciate it. I think it would add value to the website too. Having those folks look at even ask questions about these graphs. And I, I totally agree, Josh. I think this is a great, great feedback. One of the discussions at the Mint Collective was all about like whoever can come up with content that will help new people enter the hobby and understand what the hell's going on with sports card investing will win. And I think we have the opportunity to do that here at the Sports Card Strategy Show and NoOffSeason.com. Yeah. That's why we started the business and I would love uh, more and more audience feedback to that end. So thanks to Josh for doing that. Um, Baruski says you could publish a successful book on that topic. Um, so thank you very much. And uh, I have written a book. I think that, that might be what he's alluded to, but I, I need to update my book. Nooffseason.com slash book. If you want to check out um, what to do after you find your old sports card collection, uh, I think it's still relevant, but I need to do a better job of, of creating more content to, to Josh's point and, and to Ryan's point. Um, all right, last submitted Q&A for the show from Patrick Alcorn. This is actually an audience insight. Uh, he took uh, We took his question last week, and it was funny. I wanted to throw this one in here because um, as he's writing it, he could hear Lefty in, in, his, you know, in his subconscious saying, he doesn't want to convince someone of a card's worth, which is always a great point by Lefty. Lefty Lefty's does not like to have to explain. He says, if you have to explain why a card's worth something to someone, that's a bad sign. Like you yeah. probably shouldn't have bought that card in the first place. Yeah. Make that make that thought go through your mind as you're buying cards is basically Lefty's point there. But Patrick submitted his math. Because I was, I think I might have thrown out on a show like, how do you even figure out the print run? Or maybe an audience member asked, like, how do you figure out the print run? So, so Patrick has some math I wanted to share with you. Hopefully, it doesn't make your brain hurt. Um, just wanted to follow up on the estimate of the print run of unnumbered parallels. You just use the odds found on the packs, and you can get 
these are at cardboardconnection.com too for pretty much everything. For example, if you know the golds are numbered to 50 and it's a 300 card set and pack odds for gold are one in 35, you can calculate the number of gold cards first at 300 times 50 at 15,000 and then multiply that by 35 to get an estimated total number of 525,000 packs produced. So an unnumbered parallel lists pack odds at one in 52, for example. You can estimate 525,000 divided by 52 equals 10,096 total versions of that parallel. Then divide that by the total number of cards in the set, 300, and you can estimate the print run at 34 per player. Boom, math. There it is. Thanks, Patrick Alcorn. I got lost about halfway through that, but I think everybody probably got lost. But just go back. But and, it was and good. Rewind. Just rewind. I'm the gonna need to, I'm gonna need to run that one back by my brain here in a minute. Yeah, it's, like, only, it's maybe, only nine a.m. here where I'm at. So maybe I'll post that algorithm in a in a premium blog at NoOffSeason.com. Patrick's yeah. algorithm. Ryan Borusky was not being sarcastic for once. That would be a great follow up book, Paul. Love it. Thank hey. you. Great job. Great job, Good. Paul. Great job, everybody. Thanks so much for watching and listening to the Sports Card Strategy Show. This has been episode 76. I didn't talk about who I was selling. We missed that segment. Real quick, let's do that. I'm, sell, uh, I'm selling right now at nooffseason.com. We've got DeAndre Swift. Andy Rodriguez was lefties. Aaron Judge. Luca. Christian Encarnacion Strand, Tyler Hero, Vinicius Jr., and for more, go to nooffseason.com. Again, if you want a year free to the premium package to see all of that, email me at paul at nooffseason.com, and I'll, I'll tell you how. Lefty, do you have anything else you want to add to today's show before we take them to the rock music? Up the toffees. Up the toffees, baby. We need a big three points against Tottenham today. Play that rock music, baby. All right, everybody have a great day. 